Montebello Church Sermons. We greet you once again. It's been a while since we've been together. We've been doing a series on prayer. This pandemic time that we're going through, we certainly need to learn how to pray. And that's what the Lord wants to teach us. One of the most profound prayers that Paul preaches is in Ephesians, the first chapter. And there he tells us that he's very thankful for the church at Ephesus because of the faith they have and that faith that they have. That faith in Christ is so beautiful and so wonderful that it's resulted in a loving heart. And he says, I heard about your faith and I'm believing that you have this wonderful transformed life. And this transformed life has resulted in a heart of love. Love not just for certain people, but love for all the saints. That's an amazing thing. If scripture tells us to bear one another's burdens, it doesn't say to do that just for certain people. But Lord wants us to love all of the saints. And that's what Paul is excited about. He says, I am so thankful for you because not only do you have a faith that's dynamic and real and transformed, but you have a love that has resulted from that faith. And because you love the Lord so much, you love the saints, not just certain ones that we like, but even the ones that are not easy to love. You love them. And he says, I'm so thankful. But, and he goes on, he says, it's not only that I'm glad for your faith, but I'm thankful for it. And so I thank God for you. And that's in the, the 15th chapter of Ephesians chapter 1. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. Now, Paul is going to say some things in prayer that are quite amazing. I keep praying and asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul is saying, I'm asking the Father, the glorious Father. Very strange phrase that he has there. The Father of glory. What is he saying? He's saying, that he is the Father that originates all glory. All glory comes from the Father, and because the glory comes to the Father, and I pray to the Father, and this God that who is the God of glory and bringing glory is going to bring answers to the prayers that I have because he is the God that, that answers prayer. He is the God that loves to give glory. Someone was describing that they, they were at a wedding and they saw one man walking around by himself and he went over and talked to him and he found out that he was the father of the bride. And as the father of the bride, he had put on this glorious wedding that everybody was enjoying and he was the father because he originated. And so likewise, this glory that, that Paul has seen in the Ephesus church is a group of people that have discovered that God is the God of glory. He, in his glory, he made the glorious universe. He made all the splendor of the universe. And all of this glory comes to the Father. And he is the one that should receive the glory because it is through his glory that we're able to see the sun. And we see the beauty and the power of this is that the sun has redeemed and brought about all of the wishes of the Father. And so the Father has the dream. The Father has the vision. He has the plan. 
before the foundation of the world, before you and I were ever created, he had a plan for us. And he had a plan for our blessing and a plan for the Son to come and redeem us. And so as they work together, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, you notice it says also that I'm praying that you will have the Spirit of wisdom. We have in Isaiah, Isaiah talks about the seven spirits of God. It's not that there are seven spirits, but the Spirit has seven different ministries. He puts it this way. He says that the Lord, that the, the, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on Jesus and that he will be the Spirit of wisdom and the Spirit of understanding and the Spirit of counsel and the Spirit of power and the Spirit of knowledge and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. All of these seven and wonderful eight ministries of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit of God does. And Paul is saying the Spirit who gives all of these things and does all these wonderful things, I'm praying that he will come and pour out wisdom and strength to you. Now, here is the heart of the whole issue. It is a difficult phrase, and it's a strange phrase. He says, I'm asking that, that you will understand that uh, I ask the Father that he will give you the spirit of wisdom, that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. What does it mean to have the eyes of your heart enlightened? Well, just as your mind can reveal truth and you say, ah, I understand it. So likewise, the heart can be enlightened. That's a very, very important phrase. And he is praying that the truth that you know in your head will move down into your heart. You see, you can have truth and it can be deadening because it's accurate, it's beautiful, it's powerful, but it has no heart. It's only in the head, but it doesn't reach down to the heart. And what Paul is praying, he is praying that it might reach down to the heart. Now, that's an important thing that we understand. Even during this time, as we come together and we pray, we need to understand it's not enough to have pure truth. Pure truth is beautiful, but it can be dull. It can be deadening, but pure truth needs something more. It doesn't happen automatically. You learn the theology. You say, oh, my children have learned these biblical truths, so they're okay. But you see, if it hasn't moved down to their heart, then the transformation doesn't take place. They, they, they are puzzled. They don't understand. How come I hear all this truth and I hear all these wonderful concepts of what God has done, and yet it doesn't transform my life? That's because the truth has not reached from your head to your heart. And that's what he's praying for. There, were, there was a lady that had a, a husband that walked with the Lord and was a new convert. And he walked with the Lord and, and suddenly he became cold and he started drifting away. And he, he stopped going to church. He stopped reading the Bible. And the wife was very concerned and didn't want to manipulate him into godliness. She wanted him to come back to the Lord because it was his choice. And so what she and her friend decided to do, that they would pray day and night for him, that God would bring him back to himself. So things went on for several days. In fact, they went on for over a month, and they prayed absolutely every day for this man whose heart had become cold. And then suddenly he started picking up the Bible and reading it. And he started responding a little bit differently and 
suddenly he announced to his wife, I want to go back to church. And then he said to her, you know, dear, something happened to me. I just found that my heart grew cold and I went away from the Lord. And now I'm back in love with the Lord once again. And you say, how did that happen? It happened in answer to prayer. It doesn't happen automatically. You say, my children have been taught all these great truths, and yet they're not responding. What needs to happen? We need to pray that the eyes of their heart might be enlightened. I believe that's one of the most wonderful and powerful phrases in all of God's word. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, and let me see Jesus. You see, it is as we allow the word of God to work in our hearts, as we examine him and we get to know him, one of the things he does is he reveals what a wonderful God he is. Isn't it interesting? There are many things that Jesus can't do because Jesus is so wonderful. He, he never sought advice. He never changed his mind. He was never in a hurry. He never showed personal fear. He never made a mistake. He never uh, made a surprise decision nor did he ever, we see him ever do a selfish miracle. He never lost a debate. He never denied service when there was a serious question that was being asked. He never turned it away. He never apologized because he is God in human flesh who lived amongst us and he walks with us and he wants a personal relationship with us. It's not just a matter that we know about Jesus, we want Jesus to walk off to the pages of the Word of God and reveal himself to us. And that's my prayer, that the eyes of our heart might be enlightened. It's not enough to know the theology, as wonderful as that is and as glorious it is. But you see, he wants to open the eyes of our hearts. So even as we turn to the Lord and the eyes of our heart are enlightened, then we go and see spiritual truths we did not understand before. It's an interesting illustration uh, someone read in the China Inland Mission uh, um, uh, mission statement that there were two churches in central China. And these two churches just were dynamic and on fire for the Lord. Now, the superintendent couldn't understand it because all the other churches had the same truth, the same doctrine, the same teaching. But these two churches were on fire for God. And so he began to investigate and he found out that several years before, there had been given a report back in England. And in that report, they said, here are two churches we'd like you to pray for. Well, this man took it to heart and he began to pray day and night for these two churches in central China. And he prayed for these two churches. And when truth was given, then they not only received it and believed it, but they were transformed by it. And the problem is that we so often have truth and we believe that truth should transform us. And we think it's going to be automatic, but it doesn't happen until we ask the Father, Father, enlighten the eyes of the heart. Oh, how we need that. Oh, how we need to have hearts enlightened. They simply do not get it. The wonder and wonder of God and the glory of God and the grace of God is there to minister to us. But we want Jesus to become real, to walk off the pages 
and show himself in his beauty that we might experience and be blessed by it. So what we're saying in all of these things, we need to have the eyes of the heart enlightened. Now, another illustration would be, you remember the men on the way to Emmaus? And they were really discouraged and they were really upset because Christ had been crucified and they thought that was the end of the ministry of Jesus. They felt it was all over and done and they were just simply downcast and Jesus attached himself to them as they were walking on the road to Emmaus. And he says, what are you talking about? And he says, we're talking about how terrible it is about Jesus Christ being crucified. And then scripture tells us, and then Jesus opened to them the word of God from the Old Testament and began to explain to them everything that Jesus, the Son of God, must suffer and the things that he would go through and the trials, he would be difficult. And then he would go to the cross and he would die on the cross for our sins of the world. And all of a sudden they went and said, whoa, we listened to that man. And the remark that they made afterwards was it not that our hearts burned within us? What did Jesus do? He revealed to them the truth. He opened the eyes of their heart. And my passion is this. We have young people that hear the truth of God and they agree with it and they try to obey it, but they've never been set on fire by the Spirit of God. My mother used to have a quaint way of putting things. She would say, uh, when we were kids, we'd say to mom, we'd have these guest speakers from Bible school that would come through and go and say, that guy was very interesting, but there's something a little bit wrong. What was wrong? Why did that seem to not make, make much sense? Why wasn't it very powerful? And my mother would say, you know, son, you need to understand that man that spoke, he needed a second dip. We would say, what a strange thing to say for a Baptist. You can't baptize somebody a second time. But what he was saying is the message of what Christ is hasn't reached down to his heart. The eyes, as Paul prays for, that the eyes of the heart might be enlightened. And my mother was saying, they haven't gotten the fire. They only got the words and they got the doctrine, but they don't have the fire of the Holy Spirit within them. And we found out as we examined those situations that the day would come where God would answer prayer for those young men and God would set their hearts on fire for God. And they not only would hold to the truth and the beauty of the truth, but there was the eyes of their heart were enlightened. And that's what I'm praying for us today, because it's not that just we need to hear the truth. It's wonderful to hear the truth of all that Christ has done, how much he loves us, how much he is giving to us and how he has died on the cross for our sins. But there is something more. We need to see Jesus high and lifted up, that the eyes of our heart might be enlightened. Oh, if we had young people today that not only knew the truth, but have the eyes of their heart enlightened. And that's what revival is all about, that the eyes of their heart will be enlightened, that they will see the truth. You see, they can learn that truth, they can learn the doctrine, and it can be dull, and it can be boring, and there's no life in it. But when we see Christ truly high and lifted up, and we see the glory fill the temple, we want to see the very beauty of Christ, and we see him all of a sudden, our hearts are changed. It says in God's word, it says, We will behold him.
for we will be like him. We will be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye, because when we see Christ, our hearts will be changed and we will be completely people of transformation. So we not only want to see us know the truth, we not only want to see the truth transform us into loving people, but we not only want them to understand that doctrine, but understand that there is life that comes from the Spirit, and we need to pray. And it happens in answer to prayer. If you have a young person that's not following the Lord, need to pray that the eyes of their heart will be enlightened. You have a spouse that is not following the Lord, and you say, I don't know what to do with him. Then pray for him, and pray for him that God will open the eyes of his heart, that he will be transformed. You see, it's the life of the Spirit of God working in us. The Spirit of God comes upon even Christ himself in this sevenfold ministry, and it has continued to be a blessing that he comes in wisdom, and they will be able to hear and see the truth of who God is. They will understand the spirit of understanding, and they'll be able to see these mysteries we don't understand, and we come to Christ, and we say, what is this all about? And he opens our hearts so we understand what's taking place, and he comes with the spirit of counsel. You say, we don't know what's supposed to do. We don't know how to respond to this, but it becomes the spirit of counsel. He comes and gives us wisdom and understanding of how to deal with life. And so it likewise, the spirit of power. You say the problem is that we can't carry out, we cannot live out even the doctrines we know are true, but we need to have a power and an ability to live this in everyday life. And he's saying that the spirit of God will give you the spirit of power and the spirit of knowledge that we will have the right understanding of the truth of who God is and how much he loves us. And likewise, that we will have the spirit of the fear of the Lord. It's not that Christ was afraid of disobeying God. He was afraid of doing those things that were not pleasing to the Father. He always did that which pleased the Father. He didn't do his own will. He did the will of the Father. And that was his passion. And so it was that he had the spirit of the spirit of understanding upon him. And may the Spirit of God do that for us today. Not only that we'll understand the truth of God, God's word, who he is and what he's done for us and how he's a plan before the foundation of the world to bless us, to understand as well that he's given us the Spirit of God to enlighten our hearts. Oh, that the Lord will give us transformed hearts. Lord, that we will pray in this way that our hearts of our young people, of our spouses, of our loved ones, even of our pastors, will know the Spirit of God resting upon them because the eyes of their heart have been enlightened. And that's the passion that I have and my concern. And I want to pray for you right now because it's more than knowledge that we need to transform our world. Lord, come, come and minister to us and give us the Spirit the spirit of understanding, enlighten our hearts that we might be able to see not only with our minds the truths of your word, but with our hearts that might grip us, it may transform us, it might set us on fire. Because as we see you high and lifted up and we see you in your glory, 
and we see you and when we behold you, we become like you. For because when we see you, we will see you as you are. What an amazing God you are that you come and give us this opportunity that we might not only have our minds enlightened, but that we might have our heart enlightened. Lord, for our young people that have truth, but their hearts have not been set on fire. For pastors where they have the truth, but their hearts have not been set on fire. Where we have saints that have walked with you for years. They've known the truth and they've lived the truth. And yet their whole being has not been transformed because the eyes of their heart have not been transformed. So Lord, we're just praying and asking that you will give us a spirit of prayer and that we will believe you and trust you that you can take these truths you've given us, not only to fill our hearts and our minds with truth, the reality of the revelation of your word, but Lord, that you will reveal to us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of power and the spirit of loving God. And Lord, what a wonderful thing it is to look forward to, to believe that not only will we teach the truth, but that we can we can ask that the eyes of the heart be enlightened. Lord, move that from the head to the heart. Transform us as your people. And even as we pray for the others in the congregation and in the world, Lord, that our young people today may have their eyes open to see who you are and see you in your beauty and your glory. And we're going to give you the praise and the honor and the glory. Amen. Montebello Church Sermons.